Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the Short Shoot Show. And uh, Tim, quiet. Uh, I'm in the middle of my introduction. I uh, can't believe we made it to episode seven. My name is Will McCloy, uh, alongside Chris McCormack, uh, Annie Emerson, Tim Don, and we're going to have a very special guest on later in the show, Hayden Wild, after his first race in 22 long months. The Falcon flies again, and he flies into the top five as well uh, at WTS or WTCS Leeds. Everyone's doing the Falcon. Did you see his Falcon? <laughs> it was the most half-hearted. Fa- I was like, uh, I haven't raced in so long. Uh. The Falcon was grounded. It was a bit of a sparrow, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a shocker. Well, it was off a big climb. It was a big hill to the feet. The Falcon I he was, was going to soar up there. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, it, it just looked like he was just he was just flapping his way over the finish line. Um, but how good was the racing over the weekend? You know, it's been a good weekend in racing when it's become a hundred percent more confusing as to who will win in Tokyo. Uh, new leaders of the WTCS, Maya Kingma and Alex Yee. If you'd have told me that a month ago, uh, you would have got very long odds from me on that being the way it is. But it is the way it is. So let's crack straight into it. Um, we'll start with the men's uh, race, which has just had so much to unpack. Um, of course, it all started. And I guess the big news um, in the swim where we're going to maybe we're going to split opinion here. Certainly the triathlon world split as to whether or not uh, Alistair Brownlee should have been disqualified for uh, ducking Chase McQueen, best name in triathlon, 100%. Um, Was it, like, I mean, there's two questions here, guys. Was it deliberate is one question, and was it disqualifiable or was it just a racing incident is a separate question. Um, Maka, we've been texting back and forth about this. I'll start with you. It for sure was deliberate, like he did it on purpose, I think, but whether or not that's something that he was do- – like whether or not it's a disqualifiable incident or it's just a racing thing and it happens all the time is another question. Um, Maka, what do you think about what happened? Um, let's start there. Look, I, I, if, if the video I saw is the, is the incident that had Alistair disqualified, it's, it's a non-disqualifiable offence. In my opinion, uh, this happens in, in triathlon. You're moving someone away and, and he was sitting in that – in that real annoying zone when you're swimming and you have that athlete that sits between your shoulder and your mid thigh and they just drag you back and you would have been seeing Vargas on the on the far left of him trying to probably follow that line. I know Vargas missed that first swim boy, but um, I knowing Alistair, he would have been looking up, seeing Vargas trying to probably come across and, and chase McQueen. Isn't that the star of that cars? Lightning. Yeah, lightning chase. <laughs> if his nickname is not lightning, there is something wrong with the people of triathlon. It has to be. It is now. Lightning, yeah, lightning chase, yeah, lightning chase McQueen was sitting on the inside of Ali, and Ali <laughs> gave him a nudge to basically say, "Hey, man, we're, we're, we're you're inhibiting forward progress. Move, we'll move aside." Now, look, if I'd be disqualified in fifty races if that's if if that's a disqualifiable offence. So, yeah, it was deliberate. It wasn't as heavy as they made. I didn't think he dunked him that much. It was like move aside, but yeah, you're not allowed to touch another competitor. It is the rules. It's it's part of the. Part and parcel of the racing, but I don't think it was as heavy as it as it's made out to be. Maybe the, maybe you guys disagree, but you know it's just part of racing. And I know that annoying thing when people are sitting. I wasn't a strong swimmer, so I hated anyone sitting in that space that in, inhibited my forward progress. And I would have elbowed them straight to the head if they did. So, and I Spencer Smith back in the day swung with that wide right <laughs> arm. That <laughs> that was his way of keeping people away from sitting on his hip. And Alistair just gave him a nudge. So lightning chase McQueen was uh, quickly got out of the way. Yeah, well, to his credit, McQueen was like, you know, 
he said the same thing. You know, it's racing incident. These things happen all the time. I didn't think it was disqualifiable offence. But if but if, if I'm going to get dunked by anyone, it may as well be at the front of a WTCS race and by Alistair Brownlee. So I was pretty happy to be there in the first place because he was having a good swim. He had dropped back from the front to Brownlee's hip. And then obviously that happened to him. Tim, what do you think about it? Um, there's, you know, there's plenty of people screaming that it was, you know, that it was unsportsmanlike conduct. And how dare Alistair Brownlee do this? But, you know. These things, as as they all say, ten seconds before and ten seconds after would happen to somebody else. Yeah, I think it's a racing incident. I mean, I've been in many situations where I've done worse and had worse done to me. You know, if the camera, if it hadn't have been Alistair, it had been, I don't know, Seth Ryder. The camera wouldn't have been on him. So you know, if we've got if we've got cameras on every single athlete, you know, scrutinising every single stroke, fair enough. That is totally disqualifiable. But, but if it, 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 you know, that could have happened way worse to many people behind. He got unlucky. The rules are the rules. When you see it, you know, when you see it and you don't, you've not been in that situation, you are going to say, well, I mean, he gave him a right good hiding. But when you've been in that situation, um, even as age groupers and amateur triathletes, you know, you can still get whacked and dunked. So, yeah, I feel for the I feel for Alistair, which doesn't happen very often, um, you know, um, regardless that, it, you know, whether it was the Olympic Games or whatnot, he, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter if it was his first race or last race. Yeah, I, I don't think that was a disqualifiable offence, but the rules are the rules. And But then again, it's all interpretation. Like, I love the mount line rule. You mount after it, not before it. If you put your wetsuit in the box, if you don't, you get a penalty, a false start. This is so subjective. Who's the panel? Can we appeal? You know, um, it's one of those rules which is... You know, it's not quite like the old Dirty Harry incident a few years ago where it was it was blatantly obvious. Um, yeah, yeah this is, um, yeah. So my my thing is that, yeah, it's a racing incident. It was harsh. Um, lightning, lightning chase McQueen. Um, you know, <laughs> it happens, how you deal with it. And yeah, unfortunate for Alistair. Sad though, isn't it? I mean, you know, considering what's definitely on the line and the people that made that decision obviously knew what was on the line and effectively it's Olympic positions. And at that point in the race, obviously they took until a second lap of the run to, to tell him, but at some point in there, they were like, oh, despite everything that's riding on this and despite the grey area here, we're going to call it anyway, which I think is a very sad way to end Alistair Brownlee's incredible decorated short course career. Annie, and, and I think you were there. I mean, the discussion whether was it where we where you were or just around the course would have been the same surely yes I think you know everyone is I don't, I don't want to use the word appreciative but Alistair has done a huge amount for sport in this country you know we were talking about it you know with the BBC and, and probably the reason why triathlon is on the BBC and live is because of the Brownies and particularly Alistair so I think for that we've got to be grateful because it it has helped our sport grow beyond anything imaginable, you know, post-2012. Um, it didn't look, my opinion is it didn't look good on camera. I think Tim's absolutely right. It's Alistair Brownlee, so the cameras are on him. There is crap going on all the time in there. You know, we know about it. You know, we've, uh, Will hasn't been in this situation. I'm not going to have a dig, Will. I'm not. Oh, um, would you stop the- with this? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Will's off the front. I have... <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it's happening behind me at somewhere. I've told, to my, I've told, told myself, I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm not be mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but um, anyway, anyway, just just to uh, finish off that, you know, we, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't speak now. Um, it's horrible. That washing machine effect, you're in there. You don't know what the hell's going on. The aerial view, the drones, whatever are up and down would go, why aren't people going like wider? But when you're in that sort of washing machine, it's so hard. And I think Chase McQueen, but this is the first time racing on the World Triathlon Series. Lightning Chase McQueen. Come on, lightning. lightning. The first time the first time he's ever raced, probably lacking in experience a little bit in, in the swim pack. Um, he's probably crossing over. Alistair, there's so much riding on the race. And Alistair, you know, he does get revved up. Of course he does. He's two times Olympic champion. You know, he desperately wants to go to a fourth Olympics. And um, and he got in his way. And he was probably, as you said, Maka, swimming across his path. Um, and Alistair got a bit peed off with it. Um, it did look like he kind of put a hand on and dunked him under. But listen, I'm not going to call it. And it's always for Alistair to say, because we weren't in there. And if you're not there, you know, you don't exactly as you guys said, you don't know what was happening 10 seconds before and you don't know what was happening 10 seconds after. But, you know, God, yeah, a, a really sad way for him to finish his career and particularly in Leeds, you know, his beloved Leeds race, which, you know, is the most amazing race. The crowd, it's just, it's incredible. You know, you've got to be there to, to see it. It is amazing. I got. I guess a guy as combative as Alistair Brownlee is going to do something like that, whereas other athletes might not do that. But the but the reason that he did that is the same reason why he's been so dominant for the last ten years of short course racing or more is because he just does these things and he does it in races and he doesn't care and he wins and and that's I guess part of the, his legacy that he leaves. And look, to be fair, Annie as well, I want to just mention. Yes, I've been in that washing machine. Yes, I don't know which way is up. Yes, all these things are happening. But normally it's when I'm swimming by myself in the pool, you know, just doing laps. <laughs> the washing machine, I don't know what's happening. It's like I can't breathe and it's pulling me down. And that's just my weight doing that. It's no, there's no one around. It's just in the pool at home, my parents' house. Anyway, <clears throat> as one I can't wait for the swim-off the Super League between you two. Right, I'm not doing that. There's no way. There's no way I'm getting in the Speedos at 90 kilos next to Annie. Not a chance. No, 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 no. No way. I saw Annie's swim entrance the other day on the beach. Oh, no, she's... Yeah, of course she did. Because she sent it to us. That's why you saw it. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, check it out. It's so sunny. I'm like... It's like when you see those Instagram photos where, like, there's a girl in, like, a swimsuit and, like, oh, she's got barely any clothes on. And then she's, like, the dog's in the far back. And she's like, love my dog. And it's just all her in the swimsuit with the tiny dog in the background. It's the same thing. You're like, <laughs> lovely sunny weather. Check me out. Check me out running in like David Hasselhoff. That's what was happening. Anyway, I digress. David Hasselhoff. With your hairy chest. With your with your broad shoulders and your hairy chest and all that. You know. No, I haven't got any hair Well, I didn't want to say Pamela Anderson. I didn't want to say Pamela Anderson. I would be objectifying you, and that's not what we're about here at the Short Shoot Show. Uh anyway, and one sun sets, another sun rises. Alex Yee dominates, like dominates this race. Uh, wins by 25 seconds in the end, looked comfortable uh, as he was doing it, ran away from everybody, ran away from the Falcon, who we'll talk to later, who, you know, a guy himself who's run sub-29 this year, obviously not in the World Championship Series. And he's put a – and what I love about the Olympics with this is because like a week ago, two weeks ago, we were talking about whether he's going to make it, and now we're talking about whether he's going to get a medal or not. And this is just – this is based on one race – 
Um, but what a performance it was. Anyone feel free to jump in. Tell us what you thought about Alex Yee's performance. Uh, let's go with the man standing in front of the, the really, really old ancient painting, Tim. <laughs> My grandma's house again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was an amazing performance. Um, you know, it was it was mature, the most mature performance he's had. Um, even on the bike, he was vigilant. He was always in the top half of that pack. It was tight. It was technical. It wasn't a fluffy, easy bike ride. It, it, you know, they were they were riding hard. I mean, um, you know, again, it was a wetsuit swim. But you know, would the swim have been quicker if Vincent had been there? Um, he was probably the only one really missing. I don't think it would have been much quicker. And he was yeah. he was you know over a, his. Yeah, his swimming's improved. People might say no wetsuit is different, but the Olympics is a is a smaller field because there's at least 10 people that have made it through doing 100 races, so they're not going to be towards the front, so it's less argy-bargy in the Olympics. Um, when he got on the run, he knew what he wanted to do and he set about doing it. Um, you know, there was no doubt, no fear. Um, he got up to pace. You know, El Sparrow, El Falcon came alongside him, started having a chat. And I thought, Hayden, mate, you've only run one and a half K. You don't have those kind of chats when you're off the front. Then he got dropped. Then he made a mistake tactically. He missed the jump, you know. So, you know, there was maturity to be on his years. And I think, um, you know, hopefully he's fully deserved a spot in Tokyo. And you've got to be in it to win it. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Alex. I think um, he goes about his business, you know, very, very professionally. So, yeah, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, his his race to me was, we've heard a lot about the talent of Alex Yee and he's done these these sort of flare races every now and then. But that to me was that race that you have when you, you go from a prodigy to a champion. It was it was really dynamic. As you said, Timmy, he, he raced, he, he seemed to have a, a much better racing IQ. He stayed out of trouble. He, he positioned himself well in the swim. His transitions were slick. He stayed up near the front. He found his run form. He looked around and then applied the pressure when he needed to. It was never challenged. It was a flawless performance. And when it mattered, with all the conversations we're having about who's going to make the British and the between, will they get three spots? Will Alex Shee go? They need him for the relay. Well, he's just proved he's, he's worthy of the individual spot. And as you said, Will, potentially going to get a medal. I and, and looking at Hayden Wild, I was excited to see the Falcon back. And I agree with Tim. He, he ran up with Alex. And I know those two are good friends. They've raced each other through juniors and stuff together. But how, for me, I, I love the way Hayden attacks races and just goes about it. And, and I, I remember thinking, far out for a guy who hasn't been on a start line for 20 months. You know, Alex has gone through Yokohama. He's done these other events. He's got a few races in his league. I thought the Falcon's performance was remarkable. And when he fixes those little things, if you contrast Alex Yee's race in Yokohama, look where Christian Blumenfeld is now, you know, after a few races and we're, we're sort of chopping and changing on 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 people's where people are sitting in their in their peak curve. The Falcon could be one to watch in, in Tokyo, I'm telling you. You know, for the first race, he was remarkable. And Alex Yee has moved right up my list of athletes to watch in Tokyo because if he runs like that and we know he can, it's game over. I didn't think anyone would go under 30 on that course because I think it was just such a leg breaker, you know, in, in the sense that the, 
bike was just relentless. It's like up and down. And then the run also, you know, there are a few good climbs on that hill that are going to really drain the athletes. But Alex Yee still managed to go 29.46. And he looked comfortable doing it, didn't he? He looked like even at the end, he was full of running. Um, just so impressive. And, and just to reiterate what you said as well, Tim, the bike, oh, the maturity, you know, and he was on that front hammering. He, he, had, a, he had a good swim for Alex. You know, that has let him down in the past. But he's showing that, you know, he's a slight guy, but wow, he, he can swim now. He's up there right at the front of the, you know, of the, the second pack. And, and then let's not forget, you know, that second pack is going to have the likes of Blumenfeld and, and Wild in it and people like that um, that are going to chase down that front pack. It's going to be tough, you know, to back, you know, uh, a bet against Alex Yu right now for a win in Tokyo. I mean, it's incredible. And what was it, his fifth ever Olympic distance race in the World Triathlon Series? Um, I think the other guy to talk about is Morgan Pearson. I mean, where's that come from? He's the only guy that stuck close to Alex G at the end, 14 sec uh, 14, 18 seconds slower than him on the run. Um, oh, wow, where's that guy come from? I mean, not where's he come from, but what a performance. He's a big runner, though. He's got a big running background, right? He, he's a, he was a runner as he came across. So he, he sort of got that running pedigree that Alex had. And it seemed like the runners, you know, I, I saw the – I tuned in towards the end of the bike and then I saw the swim, I was running and then I didn't want to miss the run life. And I was like, oh, it seemed like the runners that had that run form, because I was shocked at how quickly a lot of the athletes dropped off. When Alex applied the pressure, only a few sort of went with it. And then those gaps really opened and Martin Van Riel was able to come through and, well, he stayed there and was consistently there. But those gaps were big. Uh, it was it was, it was was remarkable. And, and Morgan Pearson was just... He looked controlled and strong and full of running as well. And and and, and with an Olympics berth is, man, the U.S. team's strong. Yeah, we mentioned, didn't we, that he'd ran a 63 for, for a half. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it was earlier on this year. You know, like, that's Quentin, isn't it? You know, you've done some, you know, big, big running races. 63 you know, is an impressive half. And he's definitely coming in from a strength background. He's not afraid when the faster guys go out quick. He knows kind of like his his limit, but he comes back strong in Yokohama and Leeds. So if Alex is off the front with the Falcon and say Johnny, and they start messing around, slowing down to see who's going to get the gold in the last you know kilometer or whoever, he's just going to be there, be there, and he could come over the top of them. I think if he changes his tactics in Tokyo and tries to run hard the first two to five k, Pearson could could blow his socks off. But if he sticks to a game plan which worked in Yokohama and worked in Leeds, um, yeah, he's a real threat. And you know, Martin Van Riel, you know, where did he finish in uh, Rio? Was it six or four? Six. You know, yeah. six. I mean, he's got big time pedigree. He's coming good at the right time. I mean, he he didn't know the course because he missed the course familiarization because it was really early. And the night before, he had a really late night drug test. So he was warming up the day before, running in the corridor of his hotel because he was quarantined. So, um, you know, I think there's, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, to pick a podium, it's going to be it's going to be such a great yeah. race if they all stay injury free. Um, but as you said, the gaps opened up. Johnny was top ten, and he was like ninety seconds one one fifteen down. Um, so that just goes to show the quality of Alex's run. Does um does anyone know what happened to Van Son Luis? Because we couldn't find anything. We knew that he um had dropped out literally forty eight hours before, but no, there's nothing on social media or anything to 
No, in the week more. he did a picture of him running and he looked dynamic. Um, so I don't know if it's an injury. I think they've all gone to Font Rameau. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. He'd be he'd be um, keeping that pretty close to his chest at this point. He could have been getting um, some some more ink, maybe. <laughs> he needs to cover that owl up. The owl is ink. not the owl is ink. not the thing. The owl is not okay. <laughs> Where are we stand on the owl? Sparrow, a falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we stand on the owl? Are we okay with the owl? And is it should... a tawny owl or a barn owl? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to. We'll have to get him back on the show, and we'll ask him that burning <laughs> did, question. Did you, did you, can you ask him, Will, when you get him on the show? Did he walk into the tattoo studio and go, "I'll take that," or did he <laughs> have a plan that he wanted? To like, mm. he goes, I've only uh, got, okay, I've only got one. fifty euros. He's got, he's What's got the owl. worst one owl. you can give me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to know what the owl means. Does it mean no, so right I, I, I do know it? this. I think I, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't know 100. percent But there's an owl, and then there's like a skull in the owl wings that you can see, and it's like, um, uh, it's like a wisdom and madness type yin and yang scenario. But I don't know. Oh, I don't know exactly. It's like the two sides of his personality, or something. I just heard madness and owl. <laughs> that's all you need to hear. That's that's it. But maybe we're just showing our age. I mean, you guys obviously are. I'm younger and more dynamic. But um, but you guys probably are in that in that respect. Um, who else do we not mention? Uh, Blumenfeld capped a really good month with another top ten result. Uh, does what he does. He's always there or thereabouts. So is it Serrazioni? Serrazioni? Does he take or Alaza also? Alaza yeah. also had a great race. So, so does Javier Gomez not go to the Olympics? That's what I wanted to ask. What's what's yeah. the question on the Spanish? Because Mola they're, they're and Alaza, they're in. I think. I don't know yes. the third spot. I'm not sure. You know, if it was all on leads. I did see. Um, I saw some social media stuff from Gomez where it would look like he was working towards. Um, Tokyo that he suggested that you know it was road to Tokyo and I wondered he's definitely that, planning that yeah and I just wondered if you know that he would had give, been given the yes already because of who he is um, you know would would Surratt have done enough in that race he was really strong probably one of his best performances we've seen but would you choose him over a five times ITU world champion you know, and we, and we know Gomez is strong. You know, he won a, a 70.3 race in Mexico. So it's not like he's kind of been completely under the radar and done no racing. You know, we know how some of those athletes, Nicholas Spirit, like to do a half before, you know, in their training, in the run up to big races. So um, I, I, would, I would still take Gomez personally. But it depends yeah. what the policy is. They, they, they've got that they will have a, a policy that will be this thick. And it might have said in Leeds first across the line. I don't know. You know, you needed to get a top eight to, to verify your fitness. Hopefully they've left it quite fluffy and up to the discretion for the third spot. And if they have, you, you can't back against um, uh, Javi. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a class. Yeah. He's, he's, he'll be in the fight. He's great at preparation. Um, he got unlucky. It sounded like someone came down in front of him. He had nowhere to go and he hit the deck hard. But I definitely know his goal this year is definitely Tokyo. Um, yeah. without, you know, obviously worrying I, about, you know. I panicked, I panicked when I saw that crash because the same thing happened. That's why we didn't see him in Rio when he broke his shoulder going into Rio with the bike crash. He was in dynamic form going into that event. So I'd love to see him in Tokyo. Like, he, you know, it's it's 
you know, the Beijing event where he got fourth. He was a favourite yeah. going in there. And he had a market. He had a run injury leading up to that. His ankle was always yeah, strapped. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So we've only really he was at his best in in London, and that what a remarkable race splitting the two Brownlee boys. So, so yeah, I'd love to see Javier on the on the at Tokyo, and I, I hope they had that discretionary selection because he's he's well and truly. He's proved he's worthy after all these years. <laughs> I, I wasn't that impressed with the Aussies either. No, the like, Aussies, yeah. The Aussies, I mean, um, Matt Houser's decided to stay in Australia. He won another race. So he's been winning races on the QC. But Aaron Royal and Jake, you know, they've flown halfway around the world. They're settled in Europe. They've both got their squad. Um, yeah, I was, I was disappointed. I was expecting them to come to the party. You know, Jake won last year. Aaron's had a few years in the wilderness, but with the... JT, no, J, whatever JFT. squad's called, whatever their, their squad's, you know, he's JFT, you know, he had a great swim, Bugsy, like he normally did. And I thought, oh, he's back, he's back. You know, like in Rio, he was a, a, in that lead group. But yeah, disappointed with the Aussies' performance. Yeah, yeah, there's no question about that. Um, let's hope that they, well, at least Jake we know is going. Aaron, we don't yeah. know if he's going yet. You went all quiet when Tim attacked the Aussies. I thought you were going to come out. I know. I've got no ammunition to do that. That's no, exactly right. I didn't right. attack them, but you know, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Hauser and the way Jake races. And I know when he did his little jump in Edmonton, when he took the wrong line, when he was going for the finish, and he had another lap. I love it. He still got on and finished the job. But I, no, I, I felt for them because this is their last chance before the Olympics to to say I'm here. I'm a contender. They'd be playing things. Do they change the whole training? Do they do this? Do they do that? You know, I've been there. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts, Tim, what's your thoughts, Tim on, on Matt Hauser and Ashley Gentle to some degree not racing going into Tokyo? What are your – like, would you have got on the plane? Had you been in Australia? And it's, it's, it's open down here. We can train. But there is no real competitive racing down here. Would you have got on that plane and be going to Europe and locking in with your teams and, and, and doing these races leading into Tokyo? Matt Hauser's a homeboy. Um, I, I, I speak to him on email throughout – the, the winter and um, he loves being at home and he loves training. He's not, Bugsy's got his squad there. Jake's got his squad in Europe. I get that. Hayden's a wild boy. His training partner's that legend runner with a skinny moustache. He's at college yeah, in America. Yeah. He's left him. So I can get that. I can see what he's doing. Um, he's young. Um, I think though Matt Hauser's set up when Paris becomes an Olymp- a sprint distance race, um, he's going to be a weapon when he fine tunes yeah, yeah. his skills. Um, for me, he's more a sprint distance. But, um, yeah, I can understand it. He'd be on his own, He'd need, you know, in, in Europe. If things go wrong, you can't jump on a plane and go back to Australia. You go to Europe, you've got to commit from now until Tokyo with a 14-day hotel quarantine. Is he a medal contender? I don't think so. Top 10, yes, maybe top five. But, yeah, I think he's, um, yeah, I think he's doing the right thing by staying there. I actually ran into Emma Jeffcoat yesterday at the gym, and she uh, – yeah, I went to the gym, by the way, just saying – um and she was saying she was saying that uh there she it's this time next week she's going to find out um so she's on 10 hooks she she hasn't left australia either so she she's done five races down here won all of them um but as you say they're not at the same level um um but they're going to find out in a week's time as are the uh american women is going to find out on the 15th of June. We're going to get to the women's race in just a second. But before we do that, we have a special guest. Now, the reason Hayden Wilde is not joining us uh, live and talking to all of you is because he flew to Europe from Leeds and didn't realise that the time zones change when you move countries. 
So he flapped his way over to Europe and he was like, like 45 minutes ago, oh, hey, bro, um, I'm in Europe now and I've got to swim and I didn't realize that it wasn't 8 o'clock in the morning anymore. Uh, so we, I'm going to talk to him later and we're going to drop it into the show. Yeah, I said, bro, I didn't realize I haven't left New Zealand for two years. I didn't realize what was happening. Anyway, I'm going to drop it in right, right here. Hayden Wild, thank you so much for joining us here on the Short Shoot Show. And what good timing after 22 months of, well, New Zealand was probably an oasis and then it was probably a prison. That's probably what it felt like. But you, you broke out of prison and you ended up in Leeds. And you said you were rusty and nervous before, but it was a rusty, nervous top five. How do you feel? Yeah, no, it's good to be on the show. Uh, I've, watched, I've already actually watched a couple of them. And, and uh, just because I wanted to see your pretty face, uh, it's been, as I said, 22 months since I've seen it, mate. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's nice to be out in New Zealand. As much as it was a safe haven, it was uh, getting pretty tedious. And uh, yeah, just watching other athletes race uh, that you normally race against, um, and yeah, just watching other sidelines really was frustrating. But um, we finally got over with a, a massive health and safety protocol. And uh, yeah, I really wanted to get to Yokohama or Leeds, and I was uh, yeah fortunate enough to get to Leeds. And uh, yeah, coming out pretty 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 nervous. I don't think I've been that nervous in a very long time. Um, and then, yeah, top five, pretty stoked with that. Um, yeah, the race plan was uh, there was no race plan. Eh? I just had a smile on my face and just wanted to give it, get just go out like a bat, bat out of hell. And uh, yeah, it was just good times and getting back to just being a really aggressive racer, to be honest. Yeah, well, let's break it down. I mean, you know, as you said, super nervous before. We were sending messages back and forth prior to the race. And, yeah, like, you probably felt a little bit like, you know, do I still remember how to do this? Or, you know, do I, do I, do I know how to race still? Do I know how to transition quick? Do I know how, to, how these guys race? Because there's so many question marks after that long. I mean, 22 months, you're so young that 22 months is like 40% of your whole life. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I did have that, I think that was the biggest feeling was like, do I still know how to race? I know my training's been going really well, uh, I've been hitting uh, massive targets and massive PBs, but uh, whether I can translate that into the racing situation was it, it was a massive, was a different story. So uh, yeah, for me, it was really, I don't want to have go into like a major event and, you know, being my first race. So I really wanted to get into into leads um, and just see where I'm at. Um, you know, like coming 23 seconds out of the water uh, from Richard Varga. Like uh, I'm normally probably an Olympic distance between a minute to a minute 30 behind. So from that, looking at that, I was pretty pretty chuffed with that. Um, and then just being extremely aggressive on the bike. My my goal was to uh, be as aggressive so like attack if I can and see if I can get away with the group or defend if someone else tries to get away like Jonas like he normally does which was good times uh, Marta went away and I tried to hunt him down with Christian but it kind of it, it was it was a hard course to to break away from uh, just because there's so many ups and downs um, and there's so many opportunities to get back and claw that time back so I just wanted to be at the front of the race. Um, as you probably saw, I, I bridged a gap of uh, 13 seconds to the front group where it was Johnny, um, I think it was uh, yeah, Johnny, Alistair, Martin and stuff. And I thought, that, you know, it was a 50-50 chance. Like we could have got away, but I think I got there and then the motivation kind of went down a bit. Um, and then Christian just powerhouse himself, that whole group back to the group, uh, I think on the second lap or something. So I was like 50-50 chance. But as I said, like I was, I was there too race the bike really hard and to see what I could run off the bike off a really hard bike um 
I pushed normalized powers like extremely high just because I was, yeah, I, I just wasn't racing smart. And that was the whole reason is to, to just hit the rust out uh, and then got onto the run and actually felt extremely good. Um, and then I think about 3K in, um, I, Alex and I broke away in the first uh, 2K, 1500 meters and felt great. Um, and then I kind of went to Alex. I was like, let's do this, man. Let's get away. And then uh, he was all keen about it. And we worked together then. Morgan Pearson kind of brought that Christian Martin group back together. And so I was like, okay, so this looks like this is us for the next 8K or whatever. I'll just slip back into fourth place. And as we actually did one of the 90-degree turns, Alex did a, a bit of a surge um, and got like 10 metres on the group. And I was like, oh, man, that was a te- massive tactical error by myself. Um, and then so I went around the group and tried to chase him down. I think we were like three to five seconds gap between us for like about five or six K. And then I got to the last lap. I was like, oh, that's when kind of real- reality hit. And I was like, man, I've not I've been out of the game for 22 months and it felt just felt like I hit a brick wall. Eh? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, I have to say, we talked about it before, that the the uh, the Falcon was like a sparrow. It was just like... <laughs> oh, I, I, was, I was so broken. Eh? I was like, I, I couldn't. I was like, oh, I better do the Falcon wings. But I was like, I can't feel my arms. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Falcon Wings, like if you're going to launch into it, it has to be like with full, like here I come. It can't just be like, me, come on, I'm coming home, mum. Well, <laughs> I feel a little bit like that. Well, if you zoom into the, if you zoom into that last part where I tried to the Falcon Wings, it kind of looks like I was low key crying because I was so, in so much pain. I was like, wow, I really blew up in that last part. And I tried to do the wings. I was like, oh dear, I've looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like let's think about it like let's think about like yes we t- we're laughing about the last five meters of the race but the previous hour 45 before that as you say you i know you've been working incredibly hard on your swim um and you probably like you probably a minute i mean that was a fast swim and and varga went out i mean obviously you got disqualified afterwards but to to go from a minute plus back to 23 he even cut the course, and I um, and I still got twenty three seconds exactly. behind him. You know, he cut the course by at least. He took at least six to eight inches off the course, and you still got <laughs> that, that close to him. Um, and then to go out that hard on the bike and still be able to go with Alex, and as you say, when you went around that dead turn, and I know you were back in the pack, but you still managed to stick with him for that amount of time. And I know you've you've been running sub thirty. Uh, or even sub twenty nine. I think he's around a sub twenty nine in January. Um, I, yeah, I, I haven't. Even, I actually haven't done any ten k's. But my last five, uh, I've been doing quite a lot of five thousands. I've been running like thirteen twenty nine solo. So, and um, that's all on the track as well. So I was. I know. I was. I think. I think deep down, I was like, damn, I'm pretty disappointed in that run. But I knew I was like, well, I did bike pretty hard, and um, and I knew it was gonna be. It was gonna be quite a different kind of scenario because it's been so long since I've ran you know, at a high pace off the bike. So I was like, it's, it's going to hurt no matter what, even no matter what fitness you're in. Um, so I was like, well, I'll just keep with these boys and see how long I can do it for. And um, yeah, as I said, I was, I was pretty, I was relatively happy um, coming into the race with no expectations. Like, you know, I could have come out of the swim dead, complete dead last. And, you know, I'd, yeah, it, that could have been the reality. But knowing where I am now, um, going into a couple more races in Europe, um, yeah, like it's pretty exciting. And, just gives me a massive confidence booster, uh, you know, heading into the kind of that, that back end of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, you've blown out the cobwebs and come, you know, and probably didn't execute your perfect race and still came and still was in second with a couple of k's to go. And obviously, you you must wake up this morning and go, I'm that's a huge confidence boost for me coming into what could be an Olympic medal. Yeah, and I definitely know I can. Like if I'm if I'm looking at how I've been training and how I've actually been racing back home on the on the running track, like I, I know I can run a hell of a lot quicker. Um, it was it was quite a weird feeling. Like I didn't feel like I was actually like on the run. I was I was actually like pushing myself. It was quite a weird feeling. Um, I just like uh, my body just felt like it didn't have that that second gear that I would normally have coming off the bike. So I think that was definitely you know just being out of the game for that long. But um, yeah, as I said, I was, it's, it's good to get that first race out of the um, out of the legs, and uh, yeah, kind of just looking forward to a, a great build up um, for the rest of the season. Because um, yeah, I, I know deep down that I can definitely go a lot faster than that, and um, I have been battling a bit of a cold since Tuesday as well. So um, yeah, that was kind of on top of my head too. So I've been nailing the lem sips and putting the old. Uh, the old honey and lemon lozenges down and it's been fantastic but it was like it, it's so weird because like it's um you don't want to tell anyone because it's like that covid kind of area so if you wanted to cough you're just like god oh, keep it in keep it in <laughs> <laughs> well mate oh, lock me in for a large bet on the falcon for the olympics if you're sick <laughs> and you haven't raised in 22 months you come around with that you're even coughing now well, what does the next seven weeks look like for you, man? Like, what, what, where do you go from here? What's your training look like? You're gonna, I know you're you're in a weird bedroom full of ducks right now. I can see them behind you. Um, but are you stay in Belgium. Like, what, what's the plan? Yeah, so uh, with New Zealand, we've got a massive help of the Try and Z crew. Uh, we've been working pretty hard uh, to get over here, so I have to follow a pretty strict health and safety protocol. Um, so with that, I have to report in um, every day at uh, at nine o'clock uh, for a call back home in New Zealand uh, for the next five weeks, just to say like, are you okay? You feeling any symptoms? Blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. Which you're not. Um, you're not. No. You're not feeling any I'm symptoms. Not. <laughs> no, no, I not tested negative twice. <laughs> I, 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 I tested negative twice, which is great. So. Um, and then, yeah, so the next five weeks, I'll just be, oh, three weeks until, yeah, three weeks, four weeks. I'll be based in Belgium um, in Westweasel. So it's uh, Mr. Martin Van Riel's um, home, hometown uh, where I'll be based with Hannah, uh, my, my girlfriend, and, uh, yeah, just training up a storm. And, uh, yeah, pretty fortunate that I could get my coach over here. Um, that's, yeah, it's a massive bonus. Um, so he'll be here um, just, like, looking over everything um, for the next four weeks and get yeah, that massive build-up to the to the big dance. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to, to having having Hunter and Craig here and yeah, getting a lot of hospitality from from her parents as well as, uh, as definitely taking that massive stressor off. And uh, but yeah, protocol wise, it, it's pretty intense with the with the calling and uh, just got, obviously uh, it's a bit different for us for us New Zealanders and Australians. You know, we've got to wear a mask everywhere we go now, and I've got to book in a, a certain time that I want to go into the swimming pool and um, all that sort of stuff, and just kind of ordering Hello Fresh and having your own rental car and not taking public transport and just the just the little things and minimizing that risk of kind of yeah getting getting COVID because. Um, you know, if you get if you if I get COVID, I won't be able to go to uh, over to Tokyo. So I've got to be kind of I've got to think smart and and uh, do as much as I can to minimise that risk. So yeah, and by the big dance, you obviously mean Super League. Um, after that Tokyo race, 
That's that's the biggest thing on the calendar this year. Well, I was actually talking about Tokyo the whole time because the New Zealand team hasn't been selected yet. So um, I'm talking about the September um, the September month. So that's going to be exciting, mate. I can't I can't wait. Well, I've been working on my beach body to just like step out Zac Efron. So um, it's gonna I'm ready to go. Uh, I've been working on my tan. You just got to stand next to Alex Yee. I did. Oh, look at that! <laughs> look at that! Puffed up the chest. What do you think of four races in four weeks? I mean, it's a little bit different how, how we're going to do it. We're obviously going to London. We're going to Munich. We've never been there before. We haven't been to Malibu before either. So there's a lot of new ground, and, and it's going to be like a four-week road trip. Oh, dude, I can't wait, eh? Like, I've, I've always been a big advocate of doing the four weeks in a row. Uh, I really enjoyed when we did uh, Malta Mallorca um, and did our little private jet um, tour uh, back in, was that 2019? Was it 2018? Was it 2018? Yeah, it seems 2018. like a long time ago, mate. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was, yeah, a massive fan, a massive advocate for that. Um, and, yeah, I'm just really excited to do the the big, like, four-week uh, racing kind of slot. It's going to be awesome, eh? Like, I've never, I've, the only time I've ever been in the States is when I had a seven-hour transfer in L.A. and went down to the beach and just, like, just took in the scenes of LA, you know. Well, there's going to be some definite scenes when we get to Malibu. There's no question oh, yeah. for the grand final. Uh, there'll be some worse scenes, I think, for the after party afterwards because Super League's no one to put on a oh, good yeah. one. Um, but it's oh, stop coughing! I don't like that when you do that. Sorry, mate. Um, it's, I know I, I'm trying to hold it back, hey, but I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like. I kind of feel like this podcast is going to go under because I'm coughing, so they'll probably do some sort of investigation. <laughs> uh, did, well, I mean, there's huge mass of people <laughs> listening to it, obviously, so it's it's probably going to be all over the news tomorrow. Um, there's oh, exactly. no doubt about it. Speaking of all over the news, I mean, <laughs> the thing that we, and I want to pick your brain on it, but the thing that we've been discussing a lot on the podcast uh, in this episode was how what happened with Alistair. Have you seen the vision of Ali Brownlee and what happened and how he got disqualified? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I well, I hadn't had caffeine for like two weeks because that's what I normally do. I normally go off caffeine before a race and just having a lot of caffeine that day. Um, yeah, I was up all night, so I couldn't get to sleep and I had a four o'clock um, transfer to the airport anyway. So I was like, well, I might just watch and replay the race. And I was like, I heard about the incident and um, I was like, oh, I really want to see what actually happened to see how bad it was because, you know, I guess being a mid-pack swimmer, you, you get a lot of rustle-tussle and you get a kick to the face. Like, I think the first lap um, for me coming out of the water, um, I uh, I got out of the water to, to do the second lap and um, I don't know who it was, but it was it was massively accidental. I just stood up and the person in front of me stood up as well, but I got a straight heel into the chin. It felt like I just got uppercut to, from Mike Tyson. <laughs> and then... Um, Got back in the water. I was like, "Oh man, it feels like all my teeth just fell out." But then, um, so I, I went, I went, I went and had a look at it, and uh, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. I, I don't, I don't think that that should really happen, especially like as much as you, everyone looks up to as Alistair, you know, he's a, a massive advocate for the sport. Um, you just, you hope you don't really want to see that sort of stuff. Um, I know being, yes, instead of being a mid pack, it's extremely frustrating to have someone on your hip or. Just someone continuously hitting you, but to kind of to kind of see that kind of kind of really sucked a bit. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is, and it, and it happened. And uh, just hope it doesn't happen again. And like, yeah, kudos to World's World Triathlon for uh, for picking that up. Um, it was it, it kind of needs to be picked up, and it happens probably a lot. Um, so I I kind of I I definitely agree that 
um, you know, there, there was, yeah, that, that could have ruined that guy's race, you know, like he could have um, uh, been kind of, he got, he, got of his, he got out of his own rhythm in the swim, he was leading it and he looked great. And then you could see he was falling right back because he, he potentially just lost rhythm and kind of just freaked out a bit. So, yeah, it's, it's a scary feeling as well oh, to get, get something done like that. One other thing before you go, actually, I mean, and I, and I asked you this question, but you, why are you not racing the 5K? at the Olympic Games. <laughs> you did the time. Um, so, yeah, so I, was, I think I was chatting to it before. Um, so it's I, it was it, it's extremely hard to explain it on text, but uh, since I got you here, it's a lot easier to explain. But um, I guess through New Zealand, um, you know, I, I made, set out a goal that I, I wanted to run fast and uh, my track times are coming down and I did a 5K TT solo um, on, the, on the road through lockdown and, and ran on the road. And it was actually um, a, a, a mapped out legal course from Athletics New Zealand as uh, we were actually going to do a marathon uh, qualifier uh, around it. I think it's 1.154 kilometres or something like that. Uh, so we did uh, just below five laps of that and um, I ran, give or take, 13.25 um, solo on that uh, through lockdown. So that was the first, uh, that was the, that three-week kind of like extreme lockdown we had and uh, we only could kind of be in our our areas, uh, so then I kind of we kind of like wow we should get on the track and get onto the track and do some strategical kind of you know uh, you know race situation stuff and you know started to run pretty fast and you know I was getting down to thirteen thirty five and thirteen forty and then um, a nice a nice Sunday morning at ten o'clock uh, we had a, a five thousand meter. Um, in Hamilton and uh, ran 13.29 pretty much solo that day. Um, from there, that got me some pretty good points um, and then also uh, winning national 5,000 metres solo as well. Uh, got me some good points there too and actually scraped into the top 40 uh, in the world for the 5,000 metres. So for, to be a first-time Olympian to the, on the track, you have to be in the top 40 uh, in your chosen sport which was which you know I got that criteria once you take out a couple a uh, couple Russians um, as they don't count on the list anymore um, so I was actually sitting in 36 in the world so um, yeah went through a big appeal process and just unfortunately I ran too if it makes sense I ran too fast domestically too late or too early um, just I the excuse in New Zealand of it's a COVID year and I didn't have the opportunity to run faster uh, kind of didn't deem to be um, worthy, um, unfortunately. So we had to literally go back to 2016 in Rio where an Australian, uh, I forgot the name, but um, he ran like a 1340 domestically and then he went on to uh, auto qualify himself for Rio um, overseas running a 1311. Uh, um, so we were trying to use cases where, you know, he ran pretty average or pretty fast by himself in, uh, in Australia. But when he went overseas, he had the good race, he had the firepower, he sat on a big group in the Diamond League and he ran, ran the qualifying time. So that's what we try to use. But unfortunately, yeah, it just didn't work out. And uh, I've actually been trying to, you know, line up a race in, in Europe, but it just, yeah, it just didn't work. So I think my goal now is just to, um, yeah, look at maybe doing the Com Games, um, and yeah, seeing if I can do the five thousand meters at the Com Games, and if it works in Paris, why not give it a crack in Paris as well? Because it works out 
um, extremely well where the triathlon is a week before they're the 5,000. So I think if it was the other way around, I wouldn't even think about it because try is my, it's, you know, it's my sport and it's the, it's the one that I want to excel in. Um, and the 5,000 would have kind of just been the, the cherry on top. So I was, yeah, I was pushing for it and, and I made the qual- auto, I didn't make the auto qualifier, but I believe that I could have got very close to the auto qualifier if I'd gone to the right race. Um, but yeah, making the, the criteria was, was a pretty awesome achievement. It was an absolutely awesome achievement. And it just shows you how far triathlon has come to push people to the limits where they can uh, deliver those kind of uh, efforts in a single discipline. Uh, mate, thank you so much for joining us on the Short Shoot Show. I'm so happy to see you back racing. We love watching it. Uh, we love talking about it. And I can't wait to see you uh, with a medal around your neck uh, in September for the start of the Super League season. Thanks, Falcon. Oh mate, I've I've got to, I've got to you know I've, I've finished on on the on podium, so I need to come back into podium, and hopefully I get my uh I've asked for it many times, but there's that Christmas tree Super League suit where I get the green, red, and grey suit for all my transition, my transition run and bike. So I'm pretty keen to get that Christmas tree suit going on. Eh? That would be ugly, like an ugly like oh. like what do you think like <laughs> like stripes or like vertical stripes uh, so or like, like actual? Christmas I don't know. Like like a black and grey kind of to the waist, so it kind of let like mm. that shows like the the Christmas tree bottom, and then you kind of got like stripes of different colours to make it look like it. You know when when Mum puts up the Christmas tree, and you've got the different colours hooning around. You know that'd be awesome. How good you look, look like, like a fancy, like but a look great. skinny Grinch, <laughs> a little skinny Grinch. <laughs> We're gonna think about the viewers, mate. We don't want to give them epilepsy or whatever. From from looking at it, just oh, like you going fast in multiple colours, uh, but you I'm know what? You've got a lot of pull around it. You've got a lot of pull around the Super League world. Maybe you can make it happen this year. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you never know. I might get that blue jersey as well. Why not? To collect them all. Collect the full set. I don't. I don't well, you're only 20, 20, 20 seconds off Vargas, so you might get the blue jersey this year. Who knows, mate? <laughs> you can't hog them all up. You never know, mate. Um, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll let you get back to your uh, to your toy ducks and um, we'll see you hey, soon, mate. buddy. Hey, sounds good, mate. Look forward to September. All right, that was Hayden Wild, uh, who I managed to track down finally after his swim, which means we now go on to the women's racing. And what a win! What a win for Maya Kingma. Uh, second place off a breakaway in Yokohama, uh, and then fends off two Brits at home. Another breakaway win for a first WTCS race victory. And again, just like we do with Alex Yee, you go from, oh, Maya Kingma, yeah, she's probably going to be at the Olympics, to, oh, does Maya Kingma end up winning a medal at the Olympics? And all in the matter of two hours. Uh, and she's really put that, that marker down. Annie, let's go to you for this one, first of all. How good was that uh, effort? Obviously, she's got, and there were so, I think it was like four British women in the top seven. So the Brits were on fire. There was finally crowds there cheering them on, but that didn't stop. Uh, the Dutch woman from running away from Jess Learmonth in the end. Oh, wow. No, I mean, I'm going to be a bit fluffy here, but I really like Mike in that. She, she's a great chick and she's she's raced on Super League. Um, I remember when she joined us for the eSport racing last year, you know, when a lot of the girls were kind of like, well, no, don't want to do that. And she's like, give me races. You know, I like the fact that she's ballsy and that she wants to go out there and, and have fun and she takes it all in her stride. But when it comes, and the emotion as well, how much it means to her, you know, 
I think she's just starting to realise what she's capable of. You know, she has this, when she came across the line, it was this look of like, oh my God, I've done it. Um, but she's become such a complete athlete. You know, she's always had the swim. She's been off the front in Leeds before with Flora Duffy. We knew she could swim. We knew she could ride a bike. Technically, she's really good. Now she's become incredibly strong. And, and the run again, I mean, it's difficult to know how accurate the course was in Leeds, but she's chipped away at her runtime again. You Before we were looking at 37, 36s, and she was under 35 in, in Leeds just and so composed you know she looks so strong at the end um Jess Learmont that was an outstanding performance because she hasn't run she really hasn't run like I don't think any of us had any idea how little running she's done and I tell you what the last 200 meters we had our heart in our mouths because it looked like a Johnny Brownlee moment didn't it I mean she was just kind of all over the shop um but for I think for Jess to have hung on you know for me that was almost the performance of the day I mean taking nothing away from Jess um from Maya Kima because that was a class 10 out of 10 performance from from the Dutch girl um but Jess from having not run I mean, you know, what an engine she's got, that girl. And, um, you know, she's going to be definitely, you know, a, a medal hope for, for Great Britain without a doubt. But Maya Kingma, for me, is looking like one of the favourites. That's if Flora Duffy isn't around, and we'll move to that later. But, you know, I'll let, I'll let you guys have your thoughts on, on Maya Kingma. Yeah, I mean, it was just, a, you know, I think maybe lockdown helped her because um, she could train more. As you said, she's improved across the board. She's a stronger woman than she was two years ago. And she just needed that. She's obviously got the skill set. She's an amazing swimmer. She's got great technical ability. We saw that in Yokohama and on this course. She was in those corners, in and out nicely. Um, and yeah, she, she's got a bit of confidence, you know, from Yokohama and, you know, the, the arena games as well. But um, yeah, I just think it was a complete performance. And as you said, just her kind of like, I don't know if innocence is the right word, but her shock. I, what, what, yeah. it, it shouldn't be me. Why am I winning these races? But you should be and you are. And I think if she carries on with this attitude, like her, she's, she's got the skill set. And I think with a bit more self-belief, she could turn up and, yeah, dominate. You know, she really could. I mean, you know, tactically, you know, she was running with someone who, who wins these races, you know, like Jess, who controls them, who bosses them. And she's like, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for the sprint. Not even, You know, and she ran away from her with conviction. She put, I, you know, not taking anything away from Jess. You know, when you're on the start line, you're on the start line. I know she raced a couple of weeks ago and she didn't do the run that because that wasn't the plan. And she has been struggling with a with a run injury. That, that was a phenomenal performance. But that was a good performance. But she's only got another, what, eight weeks. So she's only got six weeks, probably five weeks of quality training. Is that going to be enough when you see the likes of Flora's runtime? Vicky wasn't there. Um, you know, maybe, you know, um, some of the Americans are going to be in that lead group because the swim won't be as quick because, you know, they, the, the, the swim won't be as quick at the Olympics because Lucy, Lucy won't be there. But, yeah, that was Maya sensational. Absolutely. I, I followed Maya. I was sitting there. I, when I realised she was going to have a great race was I was following Lucy Charles. I think we're all excited to see how Lucy was going after that first swim and she's setting a tempo. Jess was on her feet. And then you saw the, the women coming out of water and I saw Maya stand up and she had a smile on her face. Everyone was so focused. She, she looked to be the one that was having fun. Then she she engaged that bike, was aggressive, worked with Jess. They they got a good group going with Soph. And she just seemed to be, as you nailed, Tim, just running there with Jess Lima thinking, I'm at the front of a WT, like a World Series event, and I feel good. You know, you don't, you, you could just see the confidence building as the racing went on. And uh, I, I was ecstatic for her. I really was. She, she climbed that hill to the finish. 
face lit up. This is really going to happen. I'm really going to win this. The last big event prior to the Olympics. I was stoked. And I was really, really happy for Sophie Caldwell because that's been a long time coming, a big performance like that. And uh, it was just just so – I enjoyed the women's race more than the men's, to be honest with you. I thought it was a, a better race. There was so much more happening and so many races within races that I was paying attention to on the US side with Taylor and, and, and not seeing Katie in that front group and what was happening with Flora. And it was just an exciting event. And as you said, with Jess having that run injury – hanging on over that 10K to be that close was a brilliant race. And, and we'll always say that Mike Kimmer won it. So of, of the great races to watch, she she won one of the great ones. It was awesome. Let's pick it apart a little bit because you, you mentioned a whole bunch of little races in, in there. And I guess if you go back to the start and, and, and Lucy Charles, so she had 11 days notice or that's what everyone's saying, 11 days notice. I'm sure she kind of knew a few more weeks out that she was possibly going to hit this race. But essentially she got told 11 days prior to the race or she didn't, I mean, you can't, you don't find out 11 days beforehand and before nothing, surely. I can see Annie, you're shaking your head. She, she, you reckon she had no plans to race it whatsoever and they just invited her 11 days before? No, I tell you why. Um, no plans because on my, can I give it a plug, my Her Spirit podcast, we interviewed No, Lucy no, you Charles, can't. Is it too late um, to say no? A couple of weeks out before she, it was. <laughs> no, yes, it is. Um, so she, um, she we what's the podcast? Yeah, what's it called? What, what is it about? What's what's it about? Her Spirit Podcast. Anyway, Spirit podcast. tell us more. Um, so Lucy Charles Barkley was our guest. The wits up know you've got that. Is that competition <laughs> for them? Who's going to lead the room? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what great content you had on other podcasts that are rivals to this one. Please, go on. <laughs> um, okay. So um, Lucy Charles sent me a message after our podcast about two weeks after when the announcement had been made that she was going into Leeds. And she was like, Annie, I promise you I had no idea about this. And it came off the back of, um, I think, I might be wrong, but I think I'm like George Taylor Brown pulling out. And so it was very last minute. And Lucy was kind of saying to me in this message, listen, I wasn't holding anything back. I didn't know uh, during the podcast. So, Will, in answer to what you were saying there, I think I'm 100% sure that she didn't know. Okay, or um, even better. The way she, I mean, I have to sort of almost apologise. I, I have to almost apologise because I just didn't think she'd go that well. I think it played into her hands on the bike, the fact that it was a really small pack. I think she would have struggled. She would have been a lot more twitchy and nervous had there been a lot more athletes around her. But, you know, she's probably never going to have a lot of athletes around her because of the way she swings, because she's always going to take only a few with her. She says herself she's got a huge amount to learn. But, my God, that was impressive from her. Second fastest run split for the from the GB girls. So she was only just a bit slower. Oh, she was a bit slower than Beth Potter. I mean, Beth, Beth Potter had, had an awesome race. But, you know, she was quicker than Jess, Sophie, Non. You, you know, that was, that was incredible. I mean, you know, watch out for Lucy Charles. And she enjoyed it. I wasn't sure whether she was going to enjoy it, but I think she loved it. Well, it's over a lot quicker. It's over like it's... It's much better. You can actually have a day after the race. <laughs> she loves racing, so she can race more. Like, did yeah. she say what her plans are this season? No, well, to continue with Kona. I mean, that, that's a big plan. You know, nothing's going to happen now. She's not, there aren't going to be any more races that she can do. I mean, she, you know, she's, 
she's desperate to win Kona, isn't she? But I think she will have come away with such a good feeling. Um, she'll be looking at the Commonwealth Games qualification and, and then ahead to, to Paris. And um, I'm not going to bet against her for any of it. You know, and if you think that's how she runs a 10K off the back of Ironman training, what's she going to be like when she's training properly? As long as she doesn't get injured, because we know that's a possibility when you've gone slow to, to, to quick training. But if she keeps herself in one piece... Yeah, she's going to be pretty invincible, I think. But it had it had the shades of like a of like Happy Gilmore. You know when Happy Gilmore just he finally goes to play golf and he just and he just he hits it on the green and then he goes, <laughs> oh, why don't why don't all of you guys do this every time? We should just do this every time. It was the same. It was like you guys have been playing this sport your whole life. Like, what are you doing? Um, but what, I mean, obviously, a swim was incredible and it was so dynamic. And I've never seen the gap like that. Like that was ridiculous. There was six, and then there was nothing for forty seconds, and that's what put Flora Duffy back to that point. And she probably had that not have happened, she would have run the race because she was so solid in the second two legs of the race. But what did happen is she disappeared in T one. So you could see that she was a bit more tentative in transition because she's only just started practicing how to transition. Um, but she destroyed the field, changed the dynamic of the race, changed the face of the race, um, and and she delivered all three of those athletes who were on the podium, those podiums in some way because she just drew them so far away from the pack and then one, two, and three were all sitting there. So um, And then obviously their transitions were better. They came out at the front and that was the end of the race and there was about those three those three at the end. And, and you say she had a good run. She produced the sixth best run of the day. I mean, she had a better run than Taylor Spivey and 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 oh. ran away from her at the end. And then she's the sixth best run. And that's what we're talking about, her not having the run to maybe compete. But she had the sixth quickest run split, was absolutely ridiculous. Does Taylor Spivey, who ended up coming sixth, go to the Olympics now? That's the next question that we want to ask. Who wants to jump in on that one? Because Katie Zafiris came 18th. Maka, thoughts, feelings, emotions? Look, I love both Katie and, and Taylor. and. I'm, that's why I'm not a selector, but I I think as a you know I think you're gonna need to pick Katie Seferis. I, I think she's proven she's a proven big race winner. She's a world champion. She can win the biggest races when they matter. Her season 2019 was flawless. She's just lost a father. We have 45 days until the games. I love you, Taylor. I think you're well and truly worthy. And we but unfortunately we we lost a spot at the last event with uh, the other Taylor grabbing a spot. Mm-hmm. So. I think you pick Katie Zafaris and you you back her big race performances going into Tokyo because winning an Olympic Games is not like winning a WTS event. It's 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 next level. So you need to take your your athletes are capable of winning, not your athletes that are just super consistent. And Taylor has yet to prove that she can win the big ones. And let's face it, you're picking Olympic teams to win Olympic medals, not to to make up the numbers. So that's Taylor's go the next one. But yeah, I'd, I'd pick Katie. Zafaris. Does anyone disagree with that? Um, yeah, I hundred percent agree with Maka. That's annoying. No, I, I, I don't disagree with that. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I was. I think. I think Maka's really said all we need to know. It's like who's going to win medals. And looking at the stats, um, Katie's got twenty podiums. I think it's is it six wins. Um, and Taylor Spivey has three podiums and no wins. The only thing that slightly worries me about Katie is um, she hasn't performed for a really long time. Um, and, you know, 
looking at the back end of last year when there were some World Cup races, actually, she finished way down again. She finished way down in Hamburg. I, want, I wonder what's going on and can they get it right in however many days, you know, whatever we've got under under seven weeks. Can her and Joel, she posted um, on Instagram the other day saying, feeling like my old self again. And I thought we were going to see a lot more in uh, leads from her. You know, I'd love to know what was going on. I mean, one thing that was always a cert with um, Katie was that she always had the swim. And she hasn't even got that at yeah. the moment. But, and, and I'd love to watch, you know, Taylor race. She's neat, tidy. She's got a great swim, a really solid bike. But she's not, she's not a medal contender for Tokyo. Katie, if she can turn it around, is, you know, she performs big on those big events. Um, last win was Lausanne. She was outstanding there in the grand final. That's 2019. We're in 2021 now. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I'm with yeah. you. I would take Katie above, above Taylor. And I'm sorry as well, because I think Taylor's... Great, great athlete. Pick, but if they pick Katie and she pulls and she turns it around, which she could, she could get a medal. If she doesn't, she could get fourth or eighteenth. If you pick Taylor, she's probably not going to get a medal. So you've got, you know, you'd rather take the chance yeah. on a possible medal. I'm not saying Taylor might couldn't get a medal, but I think we'd all be like, wow, where did that come from? She's, yeah. you know, and history would suggest. You know, except for Jan, you don't come out the blue and win a me an Olympic medal, especially now the racing's so tight. But yeah, you're right; she hasn't performed for a cup for a couple of years. Um, you know, I can't, I don't know where she finished at the test event or even if she was there. But she um, Katie had a really bad crash. Ah, oh, yes, she did indeed. I mean, it was yeah. a nasty one where she yeah, smashed yeah. her face, and it was horrendous. And you know, she was on track to take the the series, and everyone thought, well, she can't possibly go to Lausanne, and that's for me where she showed what incredible, not just physical strength, but mental strength, the bravery after having a really nasty crash. We all know what it's like to come back from that, obviously Tim in particular. Um, but she went out there and nailed it and won Lausanne and took the world title after having just smashed herself up, you know, in the test event. And had she finished the test event, um, no doubt she would have been in the top three or, or won it, you know. Yeah. Um, probably won it. And she wouldn't be flying around the world trying to, you know, desperately prove herself right now after her father died several weeks ago. So it's a difficult one, guys. It's a really, well, maybe it's not that difficult. Next... Just, give, just give her the spot and let her get on with it. I'll take, <laughs> take the question. Next off. week. And they'll always be then, because it's America, they'll always be a court case. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will appeal. <laughs> it's seven days, but there's Chase be McQueen will say yeah, if I, 11 years yeah. worth of litigation afterwards. Lightning Chase McQueen will say, I would have made the spot if Alistair hadn't have dunked me. So put me in the women's team. I mean, the men's team. Let's not rag on Lightning. Lightning was very good about the whole thing. He was happy to be there. So, and good I for him. Get off Lightning's case, Tim. We love your Lightning. I love it. <laughs> He's the mascot. He's the mascot of the short shoot show now. He's going to replace Annie. Awesome. I wish I had a name like that. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting, he's going to replace Annie, definitely, 100%, because Annie <laughs> just keeps ragging on me. And Lightning would never do that because he's a team player. He's a, off you go. And he's only leaving. She's got a bike in the background. Yeah, she's only leaving so we can <laughs> see her 20,000 pound bike. That's the only reason she's even leaving. <laughs> At least, yeah. oh wow! All right. You need a woman on this show. You're not getting rid of me that easily. Well, uh, what's the? I mean, you obviously do this other podcast with some other women. Are they good at, at being guests on podcasts? We could use them. 
No? <laughs> what was the name of it? We've all forgotten. Anyway, um, before we go, I want to get everyone's tip. I want a tip for the men's and women's Olympics, and I want a dark horse, like an outsider as well. Um, so let's start with Tim. Who is going to win the Olympics? Who's your favorite, and who's a dark horse for the men's and the women's? Uh, who's going to win? Um, yeah, Alex. Alex Yee. Um, dark horse is, um, can I say, one of the Norwegians? Yeah, no, no, you can't. Because I, I, I don't think they've, they've shown form to win. Um, you can't. Okay. No, no. If you can't, so okay. you want, um, if you want to pick all of them, you've got to get, you get Casper. Be a dark horse. Mola. <laughs> Mola. <laughs> okay. Yes, Mola's it's amazing the dark horse. to say he's a dark horse, given his form. Mola. Yeah. Uh, Maka, what about you? Come on, you guys would be, everyone here would be surprised if he won a gold medal. I, I'm going to say for the gold, uh, Alex G's in my short list of gold medals, but because Tim's picked him, I'm going to I'm going to go and say Tyler Mislachuk in a sprint finish. He loves hot weather, and I'm going to give Hayden Wild um, a medal. I think um, with Alex in the mix, but I'm trying to pick others. Uh, Hayden Wild is my dark horse. Um, I think I think the Norwegians will medal, but it won't be the gold coloured one on the men's side. Oh wow! Can we have like different scenarios? No, like you know, just no. You've used all your credits. No, you know, it's just two names. Get off the fence. Um, Okay, Uh, right here we go. I'm just, I'm going to just throw it out there, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Yi, Morgan Pearson, and Johnny Brownlee. Ah, awesome! Well, let me write that down. Yeah. I don't hate Johnny yeah, for a good, it. That's a good podium. What about the women's? Let's start, Tim, Women. with you. Uh, Flora uh, for the gold. And Dark Horse is ta- uh, Nib, Taylor, the other Taylor. Oh, yeah, you've got... Okay, on the women, I'm going to go with... Um... Yeah, I had Flora for the goal, but I can't go either because Tim's picked that. So I'm going to go with Georgia Taylor-Brown. I'm going to go GTB. I think uh, she showed she loves that course and did well. So Georgia Taylor-Brown for a sneaky goal. A sneaky goal. Maya Kimmer <laughs> is a dark horse and Flora's going to be in there. There's nothing sneaky about a goal. Like, there's not sneaky. It's like you are getting it. You are you are in the middle. Congratulations, you know, you realise what Simon Whitfield did in Sydney. Yeah. You realise 50 metres to go, yes, it's a sneaky goal. <laughs> he just snuck a gold in there. Oh, good day. There, there are definitely going to be some surprises. There are going to be some surprises. There are going to be some things that we don't imagine, I think, in this Olympics somehow. Um, I, I, we're forgetting Spirit because she wasn't in Leeds. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Spirit, um, if she gets her in one piece, um, she's, yeah, yeah, she's she definitely Flora, definitely. And um, I'm going to say uh, somewhere in there, Jess and Maya, I think. So four people getting three yeah. medals, yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <All right. laughs> that, that's your pick for gold is four. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm cool. going to go. Can I, I just throw Vicky in there and then and, who else? Hang on a minute. Hmm. You can't just pick your friends. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Are they on your show next week? Just that curious. Yeah. 
And his picks for the men's gold are Van Riel, Lavazza, <laughs> Wild, Blumenfeld, Berger, Johnny Brownlee, Jonas Schomburg, and all the other guests of the Her Spirit podcast. Catch it on all where you get your good podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, herspirit.co.uk. What a great, what a great <laughs> podcast it is. Best triathlon podcast there is. <laughs> oh, you turncoat. Oh, my God. I got... Can I just say it's it's not a triathlon podcast. It's not a triathlon podcast. It's more mental health. It's women's. I mean, we talk about things like menopause and stuff like that. So there's no competition to, to the short <laughs> I tell my kids about no men as well. My daughters. Uh, before, before this gets, before Mackie says something weird, um, I just want to give a quick um, mention. And, well, it shouldn't be a quick mention. It's just that I forgot. It's on my list here of the, the fact that the Paris were in in, uh, in Leeds and how good the racing was there. And, Annie, you were there. Um, obviously, there were some big results there from the paratriathlon, and I think we should mention that definitely because a lot of great British athletes were out there. Yetse Platt was out there from the Netherlands dominating again. There were some dominant races out there, and um, good to see it go you know out there in front of everybody as it should always be. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was, it was a brilliant setting. It was a perfect race. The sun was shining. And it was amazing to see really big fields all round in, in every category. And also to see some of the stars from Super League Arena Games as well. Uh, Lauren Stedman was absolutely on fire. I think she's kind of refocused. Um, she, I don't know if you guys saw her, but she was amazing here in the um, SAS um, programme, reality TV show um, that she won. Um, she was amazing on that. She was on Strictly. So I think she's probably Strictly been, Dancing she was on. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's been, you know, kind of a bit distracted, but I think she, the focus is absolutely there now. And Lauren Stedman looked absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, we just saw so much amazing racing and it was brilliant. It's the first time Leeds has uh, had the Paris racing. And I think the course really lent itself to, to some great racing. You know, previously it might be a bit tricky because there were two different transitions. And, and I think the fact that it was all in Round Hay Park, but, you know, overall some absolutely brilliant performances for, from the paratriathlete last weekend it was great to see and some absolutely brilliant performances by all of you in this podcast so thank you tim did i interrupt you there were you about to say something we're about to add some extra value no i was just about to say no i train i'm the reserve guide for dave going to paralympics so i'll be in tokyo as well um and um but um no i think um i think the the arena games really shocked Lauren and she drove with her boyfriend down to Gibraltar and got the ferry to Lanzarote and she's been training here because her coach lives over here and she's she, I think she realized this is it this is now um if I want to beat Claire who's the current world champion um you know um I need to do something about it and she had a dominant performance also there's a young lad Mike Taylor he got second in Tokyo in Yokohama and second here he wasn't going to the Tokyo Paralympics, but because of those two performances, he has created a spot for the British, which they will give to him. And I think yeah. the VI category is really interesting. The Spanish um, lady that won, she got recategorized. So in the VI, there's two visually impaired categories and there's a handicap. You go about three minutes and she was on the second category, but her impairment has got worse. So now she starts three minutes ahead of everyone than she did in the last race. And she won by three minutes and five seconds. So it does make a difference. Um, and then Dave Ellis races, um, his big um, competition is Hector, who's a Spanish guy. And then did you see um, 
Cyril Vinot. He was the French guy. They had the quick. He was the the guide who's a he's won multiple Ironmen, um, and they had the quickest bike split. So yeah, I think uh, I, I'm I'm I know quite a lot about the dynamics, and there were some really interesting performances um, there. So I think yeah, setting up them for for, for Tokyo. Um, yeah, I don't think you can hang a medal around any of those athletes. It's so close. And um, Mike Taylor that you mentioned there, um, yeah. he was another athlete that was in Rotterdam, as was Hector the Spaniard. Yeah. But Mike Taylor actually um, does quite a lot of swim training with Vicky Holland. So it's great, uh, you know, to see these athletes coming through now. Really. Oh, he swims quicker than me. Like, he almost as quick as well. He's an animal in the pool. Uh, and he's just finished first year medical studies. Seriously, the kids, the kids got something, you know. We don't we don't need to make it about me. We're talking about people that are achieving things, right? I hate this podcast. I just hate it so much. Every week, every week There's another one my self esteem my self esteem just goes up and up and up across the week and then we hit this record date and just goes in the toilet again. I'm gonna go downstairs now and cry and eat. I'm just gonna be like That's what we're doing. I hate it. I hate it so much. A bit of counselling, now. It's a bit of counselling. A bit of counselling. Like, go and take him out for a beer, honestly. Take him out for a little beer. Give him a little bit of a pep talk and, and nah. talk him up a bit. Nah. I'm happy. I'm happy just being the guy. <laughs> done. That... Pep talk done. Aussie yeah. style. You'll be all right, <laughs> mate. You'll be right, mate. Fuck, you sound like my dad. That's what my dad says. <laughs> You'll be right, son. Get up. Stopping and stop, stop weeping. Anyway, let's, it's a good time for me to stop the podcast and start the therapy. So we're going to end it there. Thank you so much to all of you accomplished world number ones for joining me on the podcast with all of your fancy opinions. And we'll see you, some of you maybe next week. I don't know as we get closer to Tokyo. We hope you're enjoying the show. Tune in for the next short shoot show very, very soon.